Welcome, and thanks for listening to this message from City Bridge Community Church. Our heart at City Bridge is to call all people to be fully devoted followers of Christ. To learn more about City Bridge and how you can take your next faithful step with Jesus, check us out online at citybridgechurch.org. Now, here's the message. Something I do each and every week before I teach is I read through Isaiah 55. Uh, which culminates in the word of the Lord doesn't return void. It will accomplish what it's set out to accomplish. And so I read that as a reminder uh, that it's not me, it's not Kyle, it's not Jeff, it's not anyone teaching up here, but rather it's the word of God that goes forth that doesn't return void, that God promises that when the word of God goes forth, it's going to accomplish something. It's going to accomplish what God has it to accomplish, and it's not going to return void. It's not going to return empty. It will accomplish that which is set out to accomplish. And so as we've been moving through the book of Ephesians, we've said that the movement of Ephesians is that our wealth in Christ, the more we trust in the treasure that we have in Jesus, the more it impacts how we walk in Jesus in in, in this life. It, It transforms us literally from the inside out. And the beauty of that is we've seen that. We've seen that throughout this series, that lives of individuals that have trusted in the goodness and gospel and grace of Jesus Christ have been transformed in so many arenas. And so I just wanna share some of these with you as as a fellow member of this body to encourage one another in what God has been doing as the word of the Lord doesn't return void. Uh, We've seen uh, kids of all ages, family members, uh, members of this body memorizing Ephesians 2, 1 through 10 as a way to encourage one another with the gospel as they share it with themselves, as they share it with others. We've seen people uh, be convicted with how they're leading uh, their families and their work and at their homes and with their kids and their community groups as they get more and more in line with God's word and God's way. We've seen multiple men specifically confess sin that have been hidden in darkness and confess it and get it to the light. And now we're seeing the first fruits of that healing coming in that the scriptures promise when we confess our sins, there's healing that comes in. A couple weeks ago, we taught about serving and the gift that God's given us to serve. And we've made a call uh, for us as City Bridge to serve specifically in our kids' ministry. And I had prayed, God, would you allow specifically 50 individuals to raise their hands and to say, hey, I wanna jump in, I wanna serve in our kids' ministry. And so I want you to just think for a moment, I want you to guess how many people raised their hands to go and serve in our kids' ministry. You got the number in your head? I prayed for 50. There's been 80. Yeah. Yeah. Members of our body that have raised their hand and said, hey, if there's a need, I wanna jump into it. And not just a need, an opportunity to invest in the next generation of Christ followers. We've seen marriages that were dead, not small little disagreements, but dead, like divorce papers filed. Multiple marriages, not one or two, but multiple marriages in this situation. And then individuals heard the word of God spoken. And they began to not see their spouse as an enemy, but they they began to draw a circle around themselves and go, okay, God, transform me from the inside out. Let me be the wife. Let me be the husband that I was meant to be. And Jesus has literally halted divorces. We've seen three different individuals come up here to the front that said, hey, there was something that was going on in my heart during this message that y'all were teaching. And I don't know what it is, but I heard about the, the grace of God and the person of God. And I, and I, want, I want Jesus. 
And we've had three different people here at the front at the end of a service come up and pray to receive and to trust Christ for the first time. Amen. It's almost like the word of the Lord doesn't return void. It's almost like it accomplishes what it's set out to accomplish. And something that the teaching team has talked about each and every week is there's so much more treasure in the text that we have time to talk about. And so I hope for you, you've been delving deep into the word of God and letting God teach you the treasures that are in God's word so that it will transform you from the inside out and radically change everything about you. And so we're in a moment right now in the book of Ephesians in which Paul is gonna close out his letter. And what struck me is this, he's gonna talk about this armor of God because I, he knows something. He knows that when we really embrace the wealth we have in Christ, it impacts and it informs how we walk in Christ. But he also knows that there's an enemy that for every step you take in your walk with Jesus, there is an enemy that wants to take that step back. He can't take your salvation, but he can make you ineffective. He can come after the things that you love. And our scriptures will teach that he will kill, steal, and destroy to get you off mission, to get you to doubt the goodness and the grace and the gospel of Christ. And so Paul wants us to be aware of this this morning because for the rest of our lives, we need to walk deeply knowing and trusting in the wealth we have in Christ so that we can walk this life in strength in Christ alone. And so Paul is gonna make us aware of these three realities. He's gonna make us aware of your adversary, that there is somebody that is coming after you moment by moment, day by day. But from that adversary, God has given us an armor that cannot be destroyed because we have an ally that cannot be defeated. And so that's where we're going this morning. We're gonna look at your adversary, your armor, and your ally. And so first up, we're gonna look at your adversary. And in Ephesians chapter six, it says this in verse 11, it says, put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And so to remind us, Paul is in prison. And in prison, what he is doing is that he was there because he was put there by fellow citizens. He was put in Roman prison under Roman guard, under a Roman government, and he was put there because he was preaching the gospel. And these fellow Jews were coming around him and saying, hey, this guy is, is teaching that, that Jesus is the Christ. He's the Messiah. He's the anointed one. And he's teaching things contrary to the things of God. And they were wrong there. But then the culture around them goes, hey, this guy is teaching in a way in which the entire socioeconomic state of our cities are getting flipped upside down as people are chasing after Jesus. And so between religious individuals and the culture, they throw Paul in prison under Rome and and so Paul in this moment would have had every right to go, you know who our real enemy is? It's Rome. It's the culture. It's people that don't align up with the things of God. But, but Paul doesn't do that. He says, clearly, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We don't fight against those that are made in the image of God. But there's someone that is more cunning, more crafty, 
that is coming after you, that all of these so-called enemies that we have in our mind, so there's an enemy behind that. And he calls them the schemes of the devil, the rulers, the authorities, the cosmic powers, and the spiritual forces of evil. Saying there's a reality that many of us are blinded to. Like we kind of rush in our minds to kind of filling in the gaps of who we think we're really fighting against. And Paul goes, no, no, you don't wrestle against flesh and blood. I love what David said, that that word wrestle is this intimate one-on-one, movement by movement, point by point, intimate wrestling reality because there's an enemy that knows you and knows where you're tempted and knows where to get you. And there's a spiritual realm that we cannot see that many of us in our 21st century post-enlightenment are blinded to. And the enemy loves that. And so I see this really every day in my life and in different ways, but there was a season in my life that I saw it so clearly. It was a couple of years ago. I would mentioned last week about my, my story of burnout. And at the height of that moment, I remember just all these lies swirling around in my head. And I remember being alone in my room and I was so overwhelmed, so tired, so exhausted, so just self-loathing and so just self-defeated. And this very cruel but very clear lie came into my mind. And it simply said, who could love you? Who could love you? And I knew it wasn't true, but in that moment, it felt so real and so loud that I just sat down and started crying. I didn't know what else to do. But then my wife came in. And as Kegler mentioned a few weeks back, she came in as that helper that God had crafted our stories together. And she came in and she just saw her husband just in tears and she goes, what can I do? And I just go, would you pray? And would you tell me about Jesus? That's all I knew what to do in the moment. And so she opened up her Bible and she started reading from John and Colossians and Hebrews and Ephesians. All of these passages that just showed the beauty and the wonder of God and that there is someone who can love me and there is someone who does love me and it's him. And I remember in that moment, I don't really know how else to describe it. It was like the cobwebs in my mind got cleared out as truth rushed in that I was spiraling, like Jeff talked about a few weeks ago, and truth interjected into my story. So I had a wife who loved the Lord and therefore loved me that spoke truth into my life in that moment, and it was like light shining into the darkness, and darkness couldn't overcome it. And that was a turning point in my story. And yet I know even yesterday, I had to ask her, hey, I'm kind of a two out of 10 of being in my head right now, could you pray for me? And she did. And so the battle's not done for any of us. And I wonder if you know what battle you're in. How does the enemy get you? How does he come after you? Because his tactic is the same for all of us to convince you that God is not good, his word cannot be trusted but he comes after us in all these unique different ways. And so City Bridge, you have an enemy who hates you. And all the beauty that we've talked about these last couple of weeks that Jesus has come in to redeem and to restore, 
our marriages and our work and our, and our home and our kids and all these things. He wants to destroy them because he hates you and he hates God and he knows he cannot take your salvation, but he can make you battle ineffective. And so many of us are blinded to it. And we think the, the battle's out there with some boss or some spouse or some political party that we love to hate. That's not the battle. The battle's with him. As it's been said often, the greatest trick the devil ever played is convincing the world that he didn't exist because he loves it when we just kind of fight against flesh and blood because we miss out on the real battle. You see, so many of us, the turning point in our story becomes when we begin to see that your spouse is not the enemy. The enemy's the enemy. Your coworkers, your boss, your kids, that person in your community group that you just can't stand is not the enemy. The enemy's the enemy. And we battle against him. And if that is our enemy, if that is our adversary, then we need some better armor. And that's where the passage goes next. We have an adversary that is ruthlessly and relentlessly coming after you and everything that you love. And yet God in his grace and mercy has given us armor to fight. And that's where the passage goes next. It says, in verse 13, it says, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you might be able to withstand in the evil day and having to, to, done all to stand firm, it says stand therefore, having fastened the, the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace in all circumstances, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And so this is your armor. It's the armor of God. And so again, Paul was in prison during this time. And so who would have been right outside of his cell was a guy that looked like this. And I don't know, like this guy will mess you up. All right, like look at him. And Paul looks at this guy and goes, you know what? That is what the Christian should look like in the spiritual fight that's before us. And so we need to look at what this guy looks like physically so that we can understand how we are all supposed to look spiritually. It says first, Paul looks at his, his belt and, and the belt for the Roman uh, centurion was something that would hold every other piece of armor together, but namely would keep the sword close to the side. And Paul looks at that and goes, you know what that's like? He said, that's like truth, objective reality that would hold everything together and have the word of God close to you. And the truth is so many of us are being indoctrinated by so many lies, whether in our own minds or just in the culture around us, the media we choose to consume. And there's lies coming out, out at us so often throughout the day and it's informing our worldview, how we see reality around us. And God goes, hey, the thing closest to you, the volume of truth needs to be the word of God to take that belt of truth and wrap it around you closer than anything else. Any podcast, any news, any TV show, this is what needs to inform your life. Paul then looks at the breastplate and for the Roman, the breastplate was this, uh, was this gift that had been given by the emperor to the soldiers and it was, it was meant to protect the most vital organs of the soldier's life. But it also 
was sleeveless so that you could go and attack from there, that you weren't bounded by it. And Paul looks at that and he goes, you know what that's like? That's like righteousness. And it's not your righteousness, it's Christ's righteousness that he puts on you and he protects every aspect of your life. And yet from the righteousness of Christ, we are free to then move forward in the attack. And we live out the righteousness that's already been given to us. Paul looks then at the shoes and the shoes that were given to Roman centurions were leather and they were personalized. And they were great for long distances like marching, but also great for quick sprints. And the neat part about the shoes is that they were made out of leather, which meant that they became more comfortable the longer you wore them. And Paul looks at that and you go, you know what that's like? It's like the shoes of readiness that the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ gives you. That the gospel is for any moment and any time. It's for long marches, just kind of that mundaneness of life, but it's also for quick bursts when you just go, I just need to remember that my God loves me. He sent his son for me. He died for me. He rose for me. And I'm gonna share that to myself daily, but then I'm gonna speak boldly to the world around me and share it with them. And guess what? The more I do that to myself and others, the more comfortable it is to do so. The easier it is. He then looks at the shield of faith. And I think this is my favorite one because the shield of faith for the Roman centurion wasn't like Captain America's shield, all right? Captain America's shield is small, it's circular, and uh, he throws it and defies the rules of physics, you know? The Roman centurion's shield was big and it was designed to cover three-fourths of your body, three-fourths, so that the other part would cover the person next to you. That one of the reasons the Romans were so, such a force in their empire was they fought as a singular unit and they were strong as individuals, but they were stronger when they connected their shield to one another. And Paul looks at it and go, you know what that's like? It's like your faith. That your faith is meant to guard you every single moment of the day from the defensive reality that there's an enemy attacking you. But it's not just for you. Your faith isn't for you. There is no army of one in God's economy. There is solely the army of God and it's meant to block you, but also to block your brothers and sisters in Christ that your faith can move over and help them when they're hurting. Next, Paul looks at the helmet of salvation. I love this one because I don't know if you know this, but if you lose your head, you die, all right? There's no way around that. So the most important aspect of your life, the Romans had this helmet on and it had this little lip on it because when you get attacked, human nature, I don't know about you, if a sword is coming at me, my natural response is to do what? To flinch. And yet there was this little bitty lip on the end of the helmet and what it would do is as you would come, the most vital aspect of your life was being shielded and protected. But if you naturally kind of flinched, you were still taken care of because the sword would be caught. Paul looks at that and goes, that's like salvation. That God can, that that nobody can take salvation away from you. It's protecting the most vital part of your life. And even if you flinch at the battle, he's got you. He's got you. Finally, he looks at the sword of the spirit. The sword was the only, only offensive weapon given to the Roman centurion. And it was all that they needed. And so the sword had this, the Roman centurion had this like intimate relationship with the sword. It's similar to the rifle today for those in our military. In fact, I don't know if you know this, but there's a creed called the Rifleman's Creed that goes like this. 
This is my rifle. There are many like it, but this one's mine. With, without me, my rifle is useless. And without the, my rifle, I am useless. And you take that word rifle out and you put in the sword of the word of God. And it's the same thing. Now, Paul looks at this and he goes, you know what this is like? This is like the word of God. That you can take your Bible and say, this is my Bible. There are many like it, but this one's mine. Without me, my Bible is useless. Without my Bible, I'm useless. And so this is a picture. I'm sure Paul had in his mind Jesus, that when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, what did Jesus do? He just quoted the word of God, the word of God, that this isn't talking about having some little quiet time in the morning and then moving on throughout your day, pretending like everything's gonna be okay. No, it's about taking the word of God that you're studying and you're pouring yourself into, that it pours into you. And then as you move throughout your day, you have your sword out of its sheath, ready to go to combat, ready to go on the offensive and not just play defensive. So many of us live our lives on the defensive against the attacks of the enemy. You take out your sword and you move forward. This is why we encourage you to memorize God's word, to meditate upon it, to reflect on it, to have reminders throughout the day so that when something comes up, you can speak the word of God into that situation and it cuts through bone and marrow. It cuts through everything because that's what the word of God does. And so Paul looks at this and he goes, this is what the Christian should look like spiritually. And something that stuck out to me in this whole passage about this armor is all of it is frontward facing. There's no armor for the back. And for the Roman centurion and for us, that is purposeful. Like, I don't know who needs to hear this, but if you're in the midst of a conflict or you're in the midst of a sin struggle, it is so easy to run away, but all you're doing is guaranteeing your own defeat. That the movements of the Christian is to move forward on the offensive not to play defensive or not to run away, not to retreat. You move forward and that's the safest place you can be because all the armor is frontward facing. And so let me ask you, if someone were to see you like this spiritually, is this what you would look like? Like, look at this guy. Like, I don't know what words come to your mind when you see someone like this, but like words like confident, words like ready. Words like on mission. Like if the enemy sees someone like this, they know, man, it's gonna take a lot to come after this person. And on top of that, I know that this person represents an army of individuals. And so I had to be all the more careful to come after this individual. And so I wanted to ask you, is this what you look like spiritually? Or is this what you look like spiritually? I don't know what it's been this week, but I keep looking at this picture. I just can't help but to laugh because like I look at this guy and he is ready to go. And I look at this guy and I'm like, you look confused. You look scared. You have the same armor, but you like, I don't know how to use it. Which one do you look like? The armor is not the problem. It's the armor of God. The question we have to ask ourselves is, do we know how to use it? because God has given us this armor, because there's an adversary who is coming after you. And the armor is useless for either one of these. The armor is useless without your ally. 
greater is he who is in you in Christ than he who is in this world. No matter how dangerous and cunning and crafting our enemy is, there is somebody that is so much more powerful, so much stronger, so perfect, and that is our ally. And it's Christ alone. Jesus was asked one time what his ministry is like, and he just simply said, it's like if a strong man takes plunder and pulls it into a household, but then someone stronger comes, goes into that household, beats the guy up, strips him naked, throws him outside, and takes over his stuff. The word of the Lord. That's our Jesus. He's the stronger one. And that's what the passage says at the very beginning. He says, finally, brothers, before he talks about your adversary, before he talks about your armor, he wants to remind you, you have an ally. He says, finally, brothers, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Did you notice whose strength it is? I, I talk to so many men specifically just in the circles I run, run with that, that we think that it's like our strength that needs to be the thing that goes forward. And then we, and we wonder why we're tired or we're exhausted or we're stressed out or we're, we, we run to that sin struggle over and over. Be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. That when you read the passage, it's not your armor. It's the armor of God. It's his armor. And the armor that God has is the armor that God gives. And the beauty of our God is it's also the armor he wore. But like when you read the Old Testament, what you see is God surveying the world, the world he created that was meant to be good and life-giving and a reflection of his glory went astray when mankind chose life outside of him and what's left outside of that is only death, only decay, only destruction. And so God surveys the entire world, all humanity. And it says, one of my most beautiful passages in Isaiah, that God looked at this and he saw that there was no man. He wondered why there was no one to intercede, that there was nobody good, not even one. Everyone was being defeated. Everyone was being destroyed. And God looks at his people who he loves. And he says, then his own arm brought salvation and his righteousness is gonna move in and uphold him. Then it says he put on the righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on the garments of vengeance for clothing and he wrapped himself with zeal as a cloak. That sound familiar? The armor that God gives you is the armor that God wore. He saw you and he saw all of humanity broken, defeated, and chasing after things that wouldn't give him life. And because he loves you and because he cares about you, like a warrior going into battle, he took up the armor of God And he came and he lived amongst us, a life that none of us could, victorious in every single way. But then he went to battle with the one who held us captive. And he died and the enemy thought he had won. But three days later, that defeat became victory. And so now we don't fight for victory. We fight from victory because our king has won. 
and he saves. And he freely gives to all who would believe the armor of God. Our armor is useless without our ally. And he wins. And so one of my favorite scenes, my favorite scene from any movie of any genre of anything I've ever seen is from the second Lord of the Rings. We're going there, people. It's time to nerd out. We've been intense. Now it's time to be a nerd. Okay, welcome into my life. But if you know the last scene of the Lord of the Rings, you have these two kings that are held captive in their own castle and they have these orcs. I told you we're going nerd. We're going, they have these orcs, this army of orcs coming down, bearing down on the castle. And you have these two kings inside and the first king looks down upon himself and he goes, what can man do against such great evil, against such great hate? And he becomes so depressed and he just becomes paralyzed. And yet the other king, Aragorn, he remembers a promise from the great Gandalf that on the fifth day, on the first watch, look to the east, look to my coming. And so both individuals are in the same situation. Both have evil bearing down around them. One looks to himself and becomes discouraged and yet one remembers a promise that someone who is stronger is coming. And so in response to what can man do against such great evil, Aragorn simply says, let's ride out to meet it. And his courage begins to be transferred over to those around them because his courage isn't in himself, it's in the one who's coming. And so they put on their armor and they ride out to certain defeat. And yet in the midst of that moment when there's only defeat before them, they look up and they see their ally riding in with the rest of the faithful. And the ally meets him in battle and they go from assured defeat to complete victory. And that's Jesus. That I don't know what battle you're in. I don't know what struggles you're going through. I don't know what sin feels so overwhelming. But the battle belongs to him. The stronger one has come. And he fights for you. He fights in you, and he's already won. And so the question for us then needs to become, how do we rely moment by moment, day by day, on our true ally, on Jesus? Well, Paul is gonna end his letter with a handful of things to help us remember, lest we forget. First, he's gonna say, that I want you to prepare faithfully. Three different times in this passage, it says stand firm, stand firm, stand firm. I want you to prepare faithfully each and every day for the battle before you. That the battle has been won and ultimately we will be won, but we are still in the midst of it. And so he says, I want you to stand firm. And so for a season in my life, right outside that burnout season, and, and I started doing it again just in response to this passage this week, I would wake up in the morning and the first thing I would do before I got out of bed was I would just mentally put on the armor of God. I would remind myself of truth. I would remind myself of the righteousness I have in Jesus. 
I would put on the, the helmet of salvation knowing that the most important thing in my life, no matter how wonderful or awful the rest of my life is, I have eternity waiting for me. I put on the shoes that were ready to go to battle. And I take out the sword and I would just read it knowing that it's not just about reading it, but it's about living it out for the rest of the day and being ready for anything that would come as I picked up my shield of faith and would text brothers and sisters in Christ and just go, hey, would you be praying for me today? City Bridge, we have got to prepare every single day for the battle before us. We prepare faithfully to stand firm. Next, we need to pray continually. Verse 18 says, praying at all times, at all times in the spirit, with all prayer and supplication, and to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And so he says here, I want you to pray constantly every single moment of every single day. And I want you to do that in the spirit, which means I want you to be aligned in the spirit, not just praying your little once, but I want you to pray with what the word of God says so that you would be aligned with what God wants for you in your life and those around you in this world. I want you to pray at all times in the spirit. I want you to pray for yourself with all prayer and supplications, but then also make supplication for all the saints praying for one another. And so one of the practices me and my community group guys do is we just multiple times a week going, how can I be praying for you? Or, hey, here's a way you can be praying for me. So that little shield of faith blocks us both. We need to be praying continually because we need to be proclaiming boldly. It says in verse 19, it says, also for me, pray also for me that the words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I might declare it boldly. There's that word again, as I ought to speak. And so pause. This is Paul, the guy who handkerchiefed, healed a guy. The guy who would walk into a town and boldly proclaim the gospel and the entire socioeconomical system of the town would flip upside down as people were coming to know Jesus. And he's saying here, my power is not in me. My power is in prayer as you pray for me as I go out into battle. John Piper calls prayer a wartime walkie-talkie to pray for assistance from above. Because we need to be praying continually and we need to be proclaiming boldly that if this is a war, we need people on our side. And that only comes when the gospel message is pushed forward. We proclaim boldly that our king has come. And as we do so, we pursue relationally. It says in verse 21, so that you may also know how, I, how I'm doing. I've sent Tychicus. The beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord will tell you everything. I've sent him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are and that he might encourage your hearts. This is why we are City Bridge Community Church. That it is so tempting to check the box on community. City Bridge, let that not be true of any of us. We need one another. We need our faith to guard one another. We need to come to one another, asking those hard questions, loving one another, pursuing relentlessly so that we might be encouraged in our hearts. And finally, this all only makes sense if we press into Christ fully. Verse 23 says, peace be to the brothers and love with faith from the God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with the love incorruptible. This is how Paul chooses to end his letter. 
And I love it because he's simply saying, hey, I'm writing to a group of people who I know deeply love the Lord, that you've seen the wealth that you have in Jesus, that he loves you and he cares for you and he's with you in all things, including the battles of your life, and you love him. And yet Paul closes his time with this because he knows that that love is tenuous. It's fragile. You loving Jesus today does not guarantee you loving Jesus tomorrow. Faithfulness today does not guarantee faithfulness tomorrow. And the way that I know that is because 30 years after this was written, where the last line was how much they love Jesus, the apostle John picks up a pen and writes a letter to the church of Ephesians. And he says in Revelation 2, 4, but this I have against you. These are the words of Christ, that you have abandoned the love that you had at first. This was just 30 years later. For those of you that have kids, that's roughly the time when your kids will be your age. Let it not be true of us that God would look at City Bridge now and go, way to go, you love Jesus, but 30 years from now say that we have abandoned the love that we had at first. So how do we make sure? Well, John is gonna say in the book of Revelation, He's gonna say, no matter where you've gone, no matter how far you, you've gone, there's a way back. And it's to remember. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. He gives one singular command to remember. Now, where have I heard that before? Well, if you've been studying the book of Ephesians with us, you've known that that is the first and only command in the book of Ephesians chapters one through three, that in the midst of understanding the wealth that we have in Christ, we would simply remember, we would recall to mind that we were once far away and yet Christ has brought you near. And so City Bridge, remember. Remember the wealth that you have in Christ alone, the blessing, the riches, the salvation, the peace, the unity, the holiness. Remember the wealth that you have in him. Develop habits, develop practices that you can remind yourself of your deep dependency upon Jesus because the battle is real, but the battle is won and it's only in Christ alone. You have an adversary that is coming after you, but you have an armor that cannot be destroyed because you have an ally that cannot be defeated. The battle belongs to him. And victory and life and everything is only found in Christ alone. Thanks for listening. We pray this message encourages you on your journey with Jesus. If you found this message helpful, feel free to share it with others and leave us a review. To learn about City Bridge and how you can take your next faithful step with Jesus, Check us out online at citybridgechurch.org. You can also follow us on social at citybridgecc. See you next time.